Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Live at the Azila Ultra Pool. Kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We are live at the Zillow Ultra Pool inside the Sahara, Las Vegas. Free to get in. Free, free, free. It's all free. All you got to do is come on in, bring your gear, and get ready to have a good time. Free to park. Simple. Plenty of parking spots. It's all good. Just come on by. Say what's up. There's a beautiful bar, great food, great pool, great hot tub, everything. My man Jam and Jay from back in the day just got here. So, it is going down in a major way, and of course, I'll be able to talk to him in a few and talk to you as well. We've got plenty of prizes for you. All you got to do is come on by and say what's up. Also, taking your calls and texts when we don't have a guest, 69187, keyword r You can always chime in on the don'tbebroke.com text line whenever you like. That's all good. But if you want to get a call in when we don't have a guest, you can do that at 702-365-9200. But speaking of guests, my guy, Nick Shook from NFL Network, he joins us now on the phone lines. And, Nick, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I definitely appreciate you, my man. And I'm here at the Sahara Las Vegas, the Zillow Ultra Pool. I'm getting ready for the weekend, looking forward to vacation. I know you're doing the same. But uh, you, you put out a piece on NFL.com, and uh, you, you were talking about make-or-break candidates. And we're going to get to that in a hot minute. But before we do that, man, what do you think about this this rivalry that's going on right now with the Bengals and the Chiefs and, you know, Joe Burrow shouting out Pat and Jamar Chase is kind of talking trash and chirping back. And they're, they're chirping. What do you think of this uh, this cool little rivalry going on? Well, I'll tell you what, while you and I are looking towards the weekend and a vacation, the the, the Bengals and Chiefs, they're, they're going to spend their entire weekend in, fa- in vacation doing nothing but thinking about each other, right? Because this is the <laughs> team that they've had to get through to get to where they want to go each of the last few years. I actually love it. Yep. Uh, I love it for a few reasons. Number one, the Chiefs need a legitimate contender that has an actual chance to knock them off their throne because Buffalo has proven that they can't do it. And once the Chiefs got past the Patriots, much like the Bulls got past the bad boy Pistons back in the day, there wasn't really much of a, a, a counterpart to that. There wasn't somebody who could foil them, right? The Bengals have proven that they can. And the way that last year's game ended probably left a sour taste in a lot of those Bengals' mouths where, you know, they were a team that was playing good enough football to win a Super Bowl. And they know that if they were this close to the Super Bowl champions and they feel like if a few things went their way, they'd be Super Bowl champions, well, then why shouldn't they be, you know, confident, right? So that's yeah. one part. The other part is I just like that the Bengals are relevant because for much of my life, the Bengals have not been a great football team. Now, they had their stretch of, what they would do is, is, is get to the wild card round every year. Sometimes they get there as a division winner. Sometimes they get there as a wild card team. And every year they would lose that game. You know, the Carson Palmer era never really produced anything more than just brief playoff appearances. That is not these Bengals. These Bengals are legitimate, and they may be at their best you know, spot right now that they've been in the Joe Burrow era right before Joe Burrow gets a massive contract that he most certainly deserves. So, I think the fact that they're relevant, um, it's exciting for the league. It makes the AFC North even more interesting. I think that that division is going to be one of the most competitive in football this year, and uh, and the AFC as a whole is going to be very competitive. And so I'm glad they're chirping. Let's let's build it now, man. Let's get a an intra-division rivalry going here instead of just oh well, the 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 Chiefs don't like the Raiders, right? Sorry, but <laughs> uh, the Chiefs don't like the Broncos. Whatever. Let's get across the divisions within the AFC. Let's make it more fun. I like it. I like it a lot. And look, Nick, the NFL wants to have Brady Manning all over again. Does this have the sustainability to be what it is? Uh, you know that Brady Manning comparison, but the 2023 version. It's funny because I think I think Brady Manning was different than this in that. 
Brady Manning in its early years was not really the product of Tom Brady being great, but mm-hmm. the Patriots putting together a phenomenal defense and leading on the run game and Tom Brady doing enough and to, to lead them to victory. They made a very complete team, whereas Peyton Manning was that juggernaut quarterback who everybody expected him to be coming out of Tennessee's first overall pick. Um, I, I, this, this is different because Burrow, first overall, Mahomes not first overall, but clearly the best quarterback in the league right now. These are two, you know, this is an arms race of sorts. These are two superpowers at the position who are both, you know, just in their prime right now. Like, we're, we're going to expect nothing but phenomenal quarterback play from each of them for the next decade. Whereas when Brady Manning started, Brady had a couple Super Bowls to his name by that point, but had he really become the Tom Brady that we ended up knowing? Not really, not entirely. He wasn't 07 Patriots Tom Brady, you know, during the heyday of that rivalry. Now they got there, and that's, that was a good portion of that rivalry, but early on, at this stage of where the Chiefs Bengals are, I don't think they were quite on the same level, but I think it would be fantastic for marketing to the NFL, absolutely. So it does compare, no doubt. NFL.com's Nick Shook joined us here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So looking at your piece that you have, players at a crossroads entering the 2023 NFL season, Josh Jacobs running back for the Raiders is on that list, and he's holding the franchise tag, Nick. So what does he have to do, right? I mean, he's had four really good years in the league. He's got the franchise tag. What does he need to do to be able to get that lucrative deal that he's looking for? Well, I don't know if a lucrative deal exists. You. I don't, um, because I think that the running back market is so incredibly deflated as a result of the devaluation of the position that um, it just might not exist. I know, I know, we're talking about you know a position that just saw B. John Robinson drafted in the top ten, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's the first time that somebody's gone that high since Ezekiel Elliott. But let's also look at Ezekiel Elliott, who didn't get the end of his lucrative deal because the Cowboys realized, look, these guys just don't. They, the longevity is not there. The the monetary value is not there. And because so many of the guys who probably would have got paid got franchised, it just pushed the rest of the market down. You see, in guys, uh, you know, uh, Jamal Williams getting, I think, four million a year, David Montgomery getting six million a year. I mean, these are bargain basement prices for running backs, guys who are going to be handling two hundred plus carries a year. Right. So I, I just worry that the future of the running back position, save for the very few elite, are probably not going to get paid and. The, only, the other reason I really worry is that this is a Raiders team that is run by a regime with plenty of roots in New England where they famously do not pay running backs. Right. Uh, they've, 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 I mean, go, run through the name, the number of names that, that played running back during some of those early Patriots Super Bowl runs. You know, Antoine Smith, Corey Dillon. Um, you, you, I even think about, like, the Lawrence Maronis and, uh, you know, uh, guys like that. Uh, these are not guys that are getting big-time contracts. I don't know if it's necessarily in the Raiders' plans to give him a contract. I think, personally, that had he not had the year he had last year, they would have been happy with him walking away. I right. mean, we, we, you and I saw it in the Hall of Fame game. We're sitting there in the yeah. press box, and he's getting more snaps than a usual starter does. Is this an audition? You right, know? yeah. Um, so I, I think that I don't know if the contract's there. He could put it together another season. It'd be really, really difficult to deny him that. But I think what happens is they franchise him again, uh, which would actually probably be more expensive based on market rate than a, than a long-term deal. I just, I mean, age-wise, he's still young. He's still far from that, that 30-year-old wall, but he does have a decent amount of mileage on him. He's hit over 1,000 career attempts in, yep. his, in his time in his four years in the NFL. So uh, I just I don't see it happening unless he was, you know, the MVP, you know, which he was you know, fifth in offensive player of the year voting this past year. So, 
it's pretty close, uh, and they franchised him. So I, I, I just I think that the way teams invest or don't invest in running back, I don't know if he ends up getting the deal unless it's lower than he expects. Well, I'll say this. I mean, the franchise tag this year is $10 million. So I'm looking at if he's going to get any kind of a contract extension that's not the one year, I'm looking at two years, maybe a third with, you know, that third year being an option. But basically like $22, 24000000 million guaranteed. But that's it, right? And that's kind of where it caps out. And that looks like a very small amount of money compared to what other positions are getting. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, it does, and that's just kind of a bummer for running backs because they do still hold such a significant place in the league. I mean, I look at Austin Eckler, who I think he's due 6.5 or something around that, and right. he was upset with his contract uh, with the Chargers to the point where they're like, all right, we'll give you $2 million in incentives, and that's it. Take it or leave it. And, and you know, if you ta- the, the tag at $10 million is is a good rate. I mean, it's the top five average salaries of the position, which just tells you everything you need to know about the position. Right. Do you tag him again and take the small percentage increase that takes from, you know, I think it's 120%, so what would it be, a $12 million or whatever it is? Yep. Uh, next year, I mean, for one more year of the tag, I think that's probably the smarter route than inking him to two over, 24 over two or something right. like that. Or maybe, you know, you talk about three and it's 24 guaranteed and maybe it's $30 million overall because that deflates over time. So, or not deflates, but, you know, it, it gets – less expensive over time with the passage of time and the continued rise of salary caps. Um, and, and, you know, if you think he can continue to produce at that level over multiple years and, you, and that you need him, then you pay him that. It's just this regime, I don't know if they're, they necessarily think that they need him right. that much. I think that they were very fortunate for, to get what they got out of him last year, which he really dug them out of many, many holes offensively. Um, but market value-wise, the tag is about as high as I think you're, you're going to get uh, on a per year basis, and at that point, why not just tag him one more time and then move on? You know, do the old Washington and Kirk Cousins deal. Right, right. Well, there's no doubt, man. I mean, there's so many different ways that this can go. I know that Josh wants to get that long term deal. Of course, everyone does, but uh, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out. Of course, Saquon Barkley's in New York holding the tag as well. Again, Nick Shook is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So, some other positions and other players that are on your list about guys that, you know, really have to have that uh, make-or-break season in 2023. They're at the crossroads right now. I'm looking at the quarterbacks. You know, you got Dak Prescott, Baker Mayfield, Tannehill, Cousins, Russell Wilson. Out of all those quarterbacks, which one do you think is capable of having that make-or-break in that breakout season? Uh, probably Dak. Uh, Dak's biggest issue last year was his picks. He right. threw 15 picks, mm-hmm. uh, career high, and and he he threw interceptions that cost them two games. He literally threw picks into losses uh, twice last year, including a colossal meltdown in Jacksonville that I'm still stunned happened. Rayshon <laughs> Jenkins with a pick six to walk it off in overtime. I mean, it was, it was a it was one of two incredible Trevor Lawrence comebacks before they erased that deficit against the Chargers, making that three. The other one was against Baltimore prior to that Dallas game. So. Uh, if if Dak can be better than that, just turn the ball over less, I think they'll be fine. I think he also was dealing with the fact that they had so much change in the offensive line because uh, Tyron Smith was hurt, and they were putting Tyler Smith out there, and they were moving all these different guys around. Uh, Terrence Steele was you know in and out of the lineup as well. You know they were dealing with a lot of change up front with protection um, and kind of figuring out how they wanted to distribute carries between Tony Pollard and uh, Ezekiel Elliott. And he didn't have many receivers to work with because they traded away Amari Cooper for pennies, Mm -hmm. uh, peanuts really, a fifth-round pick because they had to for salary cap reasons. And it was CeeDee Lamb, and then Michael Gallup was hurt. You know, it took a while to come back from his knee injury that he had suffered the previous year. And, uh, you know, the the other guys in their team, Jalen Tolbert, for example, just didn't step up. I mean, he just didn't have a lot of options. They had a number of tight ends, but none of them really separated from the rest of the pack. Peyton Hendershot ends up getting catches in big spots. I mean, it was just a committee kind of thing. And so I feel like that kind of 
hurt him overall. He didn't have the go-to guys that he needed. I think that he is equipped now with enough weapons and enough and a good enough team to be able to be better than that. I only said it was make or break because he's coming into a contract situation where he's going to have to sign another extension. And I don't know if you know how closely you were listening to Cowboys fans last year, but toward the end of the season, <laughs> yeah, first time I really sensed people being like, I don't know if Dak's really the guy. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. We're, we're getting into some interesting waters here. So if he does it again this year and they, the same result happens and they fail to again get past the divisional round, well, frustration sets in, and eventually you get a, uh, a, a Jim Caldwell firing in Detroit even though he went 9-7, and seven, or you get a, uh, a Marty Schottenheimer firing in, in San Diego even though he went 14-2 and two, because you're not getting to where you want to. You just keep running into the same frustrations. That's when you start to enter that, that realm of, oh, do we need to make a change, a drastic change? The problem is that they don't really have anybody to replace him. Right. So it's make or break because he's got money coming up, and when money comes up, sometimes you have to make some significant decisions in the future of your franchise. And, and he can he could definitely uh, set the record straight and, and put himself on a great path forward if he played well. The other guys in this list, um, Russell Wilson, they're tied to him because of his contract. It's just a matter of like how ugly is it going to get in Denver? Right. And, and will the Sean Payton thing work out or – you know, is this going to be Ditka in New Orleans all over again? Uh, and then the other remaining quarterbacks in there, Kirk Cousins coming up in the last year of his deal. He has a deal that um, allows him to re-sign, I think, by the start of the new league year. Uh, it's kind of built in where there's a void year and everything else. It kind of makes it for them to make a decision on him one way or the other. They have been turning their roster over to a younger group, step-by-step, piece-by-piece, just sending them elsewhere, cutting them, whatever it was. Um, I mean, I, I could list a number of guys, most recently being Dalvin Cook. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Tannehill, I think that's the writing's on the wall there. They're not a very good team roster-wise, uh, and they don't have a ton of weapons, and they've got a guy in Will Levis who they – or maybe Malik Willis, who knows, even though Ron Carthon didn't draft him right. uh, on the roster ready to succeed him. And then Baker, Baker's playing for his NFL life, man, as a starter, yeah. and, and he's in Tampa where there's enough weapons and not enough excuses to, to you know make up for any struggles he might have. Nick, I know this is not in your piece at all, but going back to Dallas real quick and thinking about make or break, is this make or break for Mike McCarthy, the head coach, as well? It's felt like that since he got there. Um, Right. Maybe that's just what it is working for Jerry Jones, or maybe it's because they had a sleepover before he officially agreed to be the head coach. I don't know. Um, It's been been an interesting time for him there. I think that that pressure is going to be on no matter what because they do have enough talent to win you know, a lot of football games and get over the hump, and they just haven't. I thought it was interesting that he got rid of Kellen Moore and took over play calling. It's almost as if he's taking more responsibility, which could be great for him. Actually, I think it's more risk than reward, personally, uh, mm-hmm. because then you're really putting your own job on the line. Right. Well, we didn't succeed offensively. I guess I'll get rid of the play caller. Oh, wait, I'm the play caller. <laughs> you know, that type of situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he kind of took away his own protection there for no real reason other than maybe a different philosophy. So, um I think that if they have the same result, which, like, let's say they win 11 games and they fall just short of winning the NFC East, right? They, same situation last year. They're a wild-card team. They, they win their wild-card game. They get to the divisional round. They lose again. Anything's on the table. And it, I think that's only because you are the Cowboys and you, it has been so long since you've gotten past this hump or gotten over this hump, past this hurdle, whatever you want to say, um, that anything is possible you know, playing for Jerry Jones, who does not, you know, take basically frustration and running into the same problems over and over again. He doesn't take that lightly. He wants to push forward even at his age. Yeah. So I think anything's possible if that's what ends up happening. If they end up in that same finish, you know, the divisional round finish, and tank it past there, I think 
anything is possible. Well, I'll tell you this. I think that he's probably a little bit angry that Sean Payton's in Denver and not in Big D, but that's just me, right? That's just – I'm just going to leave it I at that. I would agree. You know? <laughs> it, it feels like Sean Payton was the guy that he really, really wanted and just couldn't pull the trigger on getting rid of Mike McCarthy in time to go get him. What, what are the most two, uh, two most important things in relationships, Q? Relationship uh, – chemistry and timing. Yep, yep. Chemistry was there. The timing was not. There you go. I like that. I like that. I'm going to go ahead and put that in my back pocket and hold on to that one for a little bit later. That was the, the wise wisdom in the words of Nick Shook here with us on Radio Nation Radio 920. Final, <laughs> qu- final question for you, Nick. D-Hop has been on the tour. He was uh, in Tennessee. He was in New England. Where's the best location, landing spot for D-Hop? Where's he playing in 2023? I have to tell you, I was so shocked that he actually took the visit to the Patriots. Just because mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien – single-handedly traded him to Arizona because they did not see eye-to-eye in Houston. Like, right. Bill O'Brien was the football czar in Houston. He had he was the coach, he was the GM, and he's the one who said, pack your bags, you're going to Arizona. And he's the OC in New England, and, and yet, uh, you know, D-Hop, he looks like he's all on board with going and checking him out. You know, taking pictures in the locker room and everything else. Uh, I don't think Tennessee made sense. New England does make some sense. Um, I, I, obviously, the, the top two candidates are Buffalo and Kansas City. Neither has a lot of money to work with. Hasn't been a lot of movement on that front, so I don't. We'll see. People in Cle- I, you know, I'm in Cleveland. People in Cleveland right. want uh, him to join the Browns, but I don't think that makes a lot of sense financially because they have they have they're in a cap situation where they kind of have to keep some available space and roll it over from year to year to be able to kind of blunt the impacts of the Deshaun Watson contract, among other things. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, and the other money they're paying, you know, Miles Garrett and so on, uh, Denzel Ward, another one of those highly paid players. So. I don't think that necessarily makes a lot of sense. So then you kind of go down the list, and it's like Detroit. Like, I love the fit in Detroit. They could definitely use him in that offense, you know, top four offense in the league last year. Jared Goff had a solid season. You know, would he be even better with a guy like DeAndre Hopkins there? But then the question comes down to, like, is he really still DeAndre Hopkins, or is he a guy who just gets hurt hurt a lot now and or suspended? Because that's been the story of his career for the last two years. And, And getting him out of Arizona was the first step to really figure that out. But it's about fit, and and that's probably like the four teams I could see him fitting with right now. We could continue to go down the list of some other places, but I, I saw some people saying Dallas, just right. Dallas, uh, Baltimore. I don't think that there's, that's actually a pretty crowded receiver room, surprisingly. Right. So I think that's probably my four is is. Uh, Kansas City, Buffalo, Detroit, and I guess Cleveland, but I'm not really on board with that. Right. Well, no, hey, throw it in there. That's all right. Deshaun Watson would be happy. But, yeah, Cleveland's got a big bill to pay when it comes to Deshaun Watson and his uh, his salary that they're paying him. So that's a that's a conversation for another day. Well, Nick, fantastic stuff as always, my man. We started this off talking the weekend and vacation. What do you got coming up that we should be on the lookout for? Or are you officially on vacation yet? Yeah, I wish I was on vacation. Uh, <laughs> we are, uh, we're just rolling with more news. Um, I'm working on some, some other longer stuff that's due in the next month or, or so. Uh, some Hall of Fame coverage. We're nice. working on that right now. And uh, a number of other things. We've also got the uh, All Under 25 team coming at the end of this month. Ooh, that's okay. an annual piece that I do where we make, you know, like the All Pro team, but it's everybody 25 and under. Okay. Actually, I think it's under 25 based on it. So. You know, much like the whole next-gen top ten thing, people are going to be upset that so-and-so is not on the list until they Google him, pull up Wikipedia, and see, oh, that guy's 26 years old. Never mind. So, <laughs> a little bit easier to explain that one, but that'll be coming toward the end of the month. I'll definitely be on the lookout for that. As always, my man, great work. I definitely appreciate you. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll be talking soon. All right, Q. Thanks for having me, as always.
No doubt, no doubt. Nick Shook right there, NFL.com, NFL Network. Good friend of the show. Definitely appreciate him and his extended time that he gave us this afternoon. Raider Nation, we are here at the Sahara Las Vegas, Azilo Las Vegas, Azilo Ultra Pool. It is a great place to be. Lots of folks are rolling in here. It was rainy and kind of ugly earlier today. That was a lot, long time ago. <laughs> it's not now, man. It is beautiful. It is out here. It is hot out here, as a matter of fact. Glad we're on the stage underneath the underneath the canopy that we have here. And uh, you can come out and hang out. We got the couch on stage as well. Uh, of course, just say what's up, right? We got prizes. We got T-shirts, koozies, cups, tickets. We have all kind of stuff to give out. Uh, so come on by, say what's up to us, and of course we want to hear from you as well. If you can't make it by, we want to hear from you on the phone lines and the text line, 69187, keyword r and so don't be text line. And then of course the phone line, 702-365-9200. How did Pops shape your, uh, your Raider fandom or your sports fandom in general? And have you done the same thing for your kids? Let us know about that. And then also, what are your three biggest questions you have specifically about the Raiders' defense. Let us know those answers as well. 321's the time. Andre Snell is from ESPN. He'll join the show at 330. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Live at the Azela Ultra Pool. Hanging out here, Sahara Las Vegas, the Azela Ultra Pool. A lot of folks rolling in here now. The weather is gorgeous. Really pretty hot out here, actually. Got some great drink specials going on right now, non-alcoholic and some with uh, little spirits in them. Whatever your flavor is, whatever you decide, whatever your choice, it's all good. Come on by here and get hooked up. We've got plenty of uh, prizes that we're giving out here on the table, hanging out with you all afternoon long here at the Zelo Ultra Lounge, Ultra Pool. It's great. Looking over at the hot tub, looking at the pool. There's actually multiple pools. Multiple canopies, couches. You got the chairs that you can lay out and get some sun if that's what you want to do. The world is yours. <laughs> it's just that simple. So come on by, hang out with us. We also threw out the question to you, 69187, keyword r Spirit of Father's Day coming up this weekend. How did your father help shape your Raider fandom or just sports in general? My pops had a lot to do with my sports fandom. My mom did as well, but... It's Father's Day this weekend, so we'll talk about Pops. <laughs> so he did that a, a lot. I got stories on top of stories on top of stories when it comes to sports and my Pops. So uh, we'd love to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Then also, you know, when you think about the Raiders and you think about the defense, we started out when we were talking to Braxton Howard from Pro Football Focus, talking about the slot corners, and he was talking about Tyler Hall and how he rated so high in, in 2022 and how he could really give – anyone a run for their money for that slot corner position that to me i get excited when i hear that the more competition the better so i'm really looking forward to training camp to see how that battle shakes out it could literally come down to hobbs and and hall in the slot and whoever doesn't get that spot maybe hobbs kicks outside or maybe that's the the goal anyway but still the competition so i'm looking at three questions or i want to know three questions that you have about the raiders defense my questions the first one is about Tyree Wilson, the rookie, number seven overall pick out of Texas Tech. How much does he contribute? What's his production look like for the Raiders his rookie year? Two, I want to know who's the starters when it comes to the secondary. And then three, can they create more turnovers than they have the past few seasons? They really need to take that next step, creating turnovers. 702-365-9200. Let's go out real quick to the phone lines, talk to our guy, uh, Lois Cali Raider. What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Q? I just wanted to share uh yeah, man, I remember since I was a little baby, my dad used to work at that Spreckles right there in the Monterey County. 
And uh, I remember my, my earliest memory was of him um, going to work, but every time he turned around and leave out the door, he has a big old razor shield on his back. Yeah. So, so for me, I always associated the razor shield with my dad. Nice. I knew, before I even knew what the razors were. And my mom said when I was a kid, when, we were, when I was a kid, I used to go to the store and I see the Raider Shield everywhere. I used, get, I used to tell my dad, like, look, dad, that's your sign right there. So, I mean, I've been a, bit, been a Raider fan since I was born, you know? Yeah. And I just wanted to get a shout out to my pops, man, for holding it down for so long. But also, my biggest thing on defense is we gotta hit these, we gotta be, we gotta get some ball hawks, man. We gotta get the, we gotta get on the ball. Yeah. I feel like that's what we did is the most. But yeah, I just wanted to share that out there. Thank you, Q. Hey, great Go Raiders. call. Great call. Lois Cali Raider right there. Great call and a great memory of your pops, and that's awesome, right? You, th- you, see, the, you see the Raiders shield, and that's all you think of immediately is your pops because that's what you associated uh, the Raiders with was your, your pops. That's awesome. I like that, and that's, that's what I'm looking for. I know we have a lot of guests lined up on the show today. We have a lot of guests each and every day. Uh, it's a lot of the fun that I have here on the show, but I definitely want to hear from you. I want to hear stories like that, like Lois Cali Raider, or earlier we had uh, my guy uh, Ryan from Colorado called in and shared a great story about his pops as well. We'd love to hear from you. You can share your stories, and you can also share your stories on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r Right now, my man Ari in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio is efforting our guy Andre Snellings from ESPN as we're going to talk all things NBA, and we're going to start off talking about the Ja Morant suspension. And right now, Andre Snellings from ESPN joins us on the phone lines. And, Dre, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate you this afternoon. And let's start, start with Ja Morant. 25 games. What do you think? Is that good, bad, different? What, what, what do you think about that suspension? It's actually probably a little milder than I thought or maybe feared it would be. Um, seemed like for a while there we were hearing half a season, whole season, thrown around kind of willy-nilly, especially after Adam Silver started making comments about being disappointed and teasing the suspension like it was a, a radio break, you know, so... <laughs> For for it to only be twenty five games, I say only. That's I mean that's that's you know a good chunk. That's almost a third of a season. But I, I have to kind of feel like in some ways Ja got off a little lighter than maybe he could have. And um, for the Grizzlies and and for Ja's future, hopefully he takes this punishment a little more to heart and uh, tries to come back uh, kind of better than ever moving forward. Yeah, and, and what do you think he can do, or what do you think the Grizzlies can do to kind of, I don't want to say ensure because nothing is guaranteed, but he's got to alert, learn about this at some point, right? I mean, he's lost about $50,000 when it's all said, or $50 million, excuse me, when it's all said <laughs> and done. That's a big difference right there, $50 million. Right. How do you think he, he kind of comes back from this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the kind of thing that it has to be internal at this point for, for, for John Morant, for, you know, if his parents or his people are – are really kind of in his corner, you know, if they're able to get communicate to him. But I just think about, honestly, my wife's reaction to the, all of this. You know, mm-hmm. as this has been happening, um, we, we have conversations in the house. And, you know, we have three kids. And she's of the opinion, she's like, you know, I love to watch John Morant play. I always want to see young people finding success. But I also don't want him to, you know, drop the bag, essentially. Right. Like, he's got this amazing opportunity and, you know, she's of the opinion that, well, maybe he needs to have a little more punishment, something that's going to catch his attention. And so my hope would be that this 25 game does catch his attention and that it can be how he builds from here. Because let's keep it real. It's not like he was in a situation where somebody is forcing him to do something or, you know, like all he really kind of has to do to prevent 
this from escalating further, is stop doing things that are well within his control. You right. know, so mm-hmm. hopefully that's the way that he ensures that this isn't a problem moving forward is by changing his, his behavior. You know, it's so funny. I always say if you can't change the people around you, change the people around you. But like you said, to your credit, to your <laughs> point, it's really – it's not the people around him really. It's more him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a grown man at this point. You know, right. he's, he's a young man. He's in his early to mid-20s. But he's not a teenager. You know, that this isn't something that his mother or his father or his crew – you know, th- these are all decisions that he has to make for himself moving forward. And the hope is that with this punishment, it's enough for him to say, you know what, I have to start taking this seriously. And, you know, like you said, maybe he does need to change the people around him. But mm-hmm. whatever it is that needs to happen, it has to come from within. Yeah, absolutely. Again, ESPN's Andre Snellings joins us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness talking all things NBA and the storylines. How about MJ? Uh, he's selling the Hornets, and I think he sold. He bought them for about two hundred and what thirty million. Looks like he's going to sell them for a few billion dollars. That's a great return <laughs> on investment. But Dre, why now? Why is it the right time for MJ to sell the Hornets? Yeah, you know we've known this was coming for a while, right? Like there, there's been noise and 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 a sense that he was wanting to get out of the the day to day operations of of running a team. Um, there's no secret that he's one of the most competitive people on this earth. And the, the Hornet, you know, that, that, that franchise has not enjoyed maybe the level of success that he would want them to have. And maybe he just has other things that he wants to put his attention to. He's still going to be a minority owner of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still going to have a presence there. He's still going to, in some ways, be the face of the franchise. So I did see that one of the new, uh, part of the new ownership group is uh, J. Cole, uh, rapper J. Cole. Yeah. So I, I imagine he'll, he'll be a bit of a face of the franchise as well. But, I mean, I think that the timing was just he doesn't see, looking at this franchise, I mean, looking at his squad, a team is going to be contending anytime soon. And so I think he just kind of wants to put his energy elsewhere. Yeah, and I think him being a face of the franchise and teaming up with Jay Cole and being face of the franchise instead of the actual guy that's making a lot of the decisions, that makes a lot of sense because, I mean, what, what face is bigger than Michael Jordan? <laughs> that part. And, I mean, keeping it real, Jordan on the court might be the greatest ever. Right. Jordan in the front office <laughs> doesn't have that same track record. Right. So, you know, maybe it's better for all involved if he passes that responsibility to someone else. Yeah, no, that's a great point that you bring up. Again, Andre Snellings joins us here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. So how about Zion and his situation in New Orleans? And I'm not even worried about <laughs> off the court. I'm not even worried about right. off the court. But we've heard all the reports about him on the court, and he might be on the court playing for someone else maybe as early as next week before the draft. Is there a chance that Zion's moved on from, from the New Orleans Pelicans? I mean, there's, there's certainly a chance, you know, um, you, you at least obliquely referenced the off-the-court situation. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't really know how that may or may not have affected these rumors of a trade, but I do know the rumor started immediately after right, <laughs> we started right. seeing these stories in social media. Um, but I will say, so on ESPN, we ran an article today, one of those uh, top five places that we would like to see Zion traded type articles where, you know, different writers looked across the NBA and said, well, here's situations where maybe it would be good for Zion to go here or it would be good for the Pelicans if they were able to bring back talent. Um, I know for mine I, I mentioned James Harden as a, a possible swap, you know, b- both situations of extremely talented players that 
don't necessarily seem to fit where they are. But it's all speculation. And honestly, the report that I read today was that the Pelicans don't particularly want to move on from Zion Williamson. So if that's the case, then, yeah, you, you, it would look like he would still be there as his max contract extended. But you just never know. And this draft coming up, it's very volatile, it seems like, at the top. There are, you know, everybody knows Victor Wimanyama is going to the Spurs. Right. But the number two and three picks are probably going, in some order, going to be the Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. And both of them are considered potential franchise-changing players. So there's a lot of buzz about potential trading of those two picks. And you have to think if Zion does move, it will probably be in some package involving at least one of those picks. You know, and, and my next question involving that trade, is Zion a guy that can get the Pelicans into the top five or even give them a chance at one of those two guys that you mentioned in Miller and uh, Scoot? See, it's all about what his perceived value is, honestly, <laughs> for the teams with the second and third pick, you know, the, the Hornets and the Trailblazers, because Zion is considered a generational talent, right? right. When, you know, when he came along, it was like, okay, he could be the best prospect in the last five or ten years. But in four seasons, he's missed more than 200 games. And so there's uh, an understandable hesitance of, of hitching your franchise to that because what if he's never able to, to, to you know, achieve his full greatness because of injuries or whatever else might be going on? I know I've, I've done some work with Stefania Bell at ESPN where she's really broken down the mechanics of his jumping style and the, the torque that it applies to his lower body. At, at his size with that level of explosiveness. So there is some reason to be a little nervous. On the other hand, the guy who just won the NBA MVP this season, Joel Embiid, yeah. also missed more than 200 games in his first four seasons, and now he's the, the, the MVP. So I don't think the Pelicans want to be the team that gave up on the, the future face of the NBA too early, but it's, it's a little nerve-wracking. And, and so the team that potentially could trade for him have to, you know, do their own risk-reward comparison before they make their decision. I always think that, you know, a team's going to end up, or like the Pelicans, will end up holding on to Zion because they don't want to do just what you said, give up on him too early. But then they look back a few years later and be like, dang, now we can't get even what we thought we were going to be able to get for him because, like, availability is just not something you could teach, Dre. I mean, you're either yep. available or you're not. Yep. Best ability is availability. And, you know, but we have seen um, in NBA history – big men that really struggle with injuries in their first few seasons that are able to come back and, and do great things. You know, I talked about Embiid, yeah. but even on a lesser level, a guy, you know, I'm from Ohio, I think of a guy like Zoljunas Ilgowskis, mm. who seemed like his feet broke every year for five seasons, right. and then they never broke again. You know, so there's that, but then you see the other side of the coin, somebody like maybe a Ralph Sampson, who was going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. He was the number one overall pick the year before Jordan came into the league. And he was out of the league like five years later. So there's risk, there's reward. But when the reward is potentially one of the greatest players in the NBA, it's kind of hard to move on from that. Yeah, it really is. Again, Andre Snellings from ESPN joins us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness, talking all things NBA. Just got a couple more questions for you. Dame Lillard, Bradley Beal. Which one most likely will be on a new team in 2023? Mm, man, can I say both? Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, you can. <laughs> I mean, I feel like as far as Dame Lillard, because I feel like his, if he moves on, it will be the bigger story, the bigger yeah. impact on the NBA. And I feel like the time seems to be right. 
you know, like for, for all of these years, Lillard has always said, I want to be in Portland. I don't want to go anywhere else. You know, he signed every extension to stay in Portland. And he signed now for like the next whatever, four or five years. But the Trailblazers, they've already started moving younger and younger. You know, they, they've got uh, uh, this promising young backcourt. They, they seem like there's a team that's being built more for five years than from now than for right now. And Lillard is already in his 30s. And so unless they do something like trade the number three overall pick for a star player like a Zion, like we were yeah. just talking about, yeah. it, I could imagine that for both sides, for both Lillard and Portland themselves, they could say, you know what, it could be time for him to move on. And if so, then, yeah, I, I think there's a reasonable chance he's in another uniform. Bradley Beal has a lot of similarities as far as, you know, his loyalty to Washington and always kind of wanting to stay with that team. But even more so, it's like, okay, he's got a, a contract that's just as large, but he doesn't have the impact that Lillard does. And he's, he's not like the face of, of Washington, D.C. basketball the way that, that Lillard has been in Portland. Right. So I could imagine him moving on. But honestly, I, I, I heard someone say he doesn't have the trade value that maybe you might expect because his contract is so large. So he could end up moving on, but he might end up staying because there might not be anybody that wants to give up the kind of value that Washington would want for him. Yeah, that's that's my question about Bradley Beal is what kind of value are they looking for? And then he's got the no-trade clause so he can approve or deny where he goes. So final question for you, Dre, sticking with the trades. And Miami, we saw the Miami Heat lose in the finals. Obviously they need another piece to run with Jimmy uh, Jimmy Butler. So Dame, Bradley Beal, Fred Van Vliet, I know he's a free agent, wouldn't be a trade, but who's the who's the best running buddy to be there in Miami? I mean, the best one would be Dame, if they could get him. If they can get um, him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's, that's going to be the question. Obviously, Dame opened the door when he did the interview and said, you know, of all the places you could go to, where would you want to go? And he's obviously Miami because, mm-hmm. you know, Bam Adebayo is my dog. And, you know, he had such enthusiasm in his voice. And, I, frankly, I never heard that before. I've never right. heard Dame be enthusiastic about playing somewhere else. So if they can figure out a package around Tyler Hero and maybe Duncan Robinson and some draft picks and, you know, something that would pique uh, the Trailblazers' attention, obviously Dame would be the way to go. The question is, do they have enough to right. pique the Trailblazers' attention? Yeah, that's, that's the thing right there. And I know that, uh, you know, he, he's a, a big Bam guy. That's his, that's his dog. But I think that if he were to get traded to Miami, I think Bam has to go back to Portland. I think, the, I think that has to, you have to get some quality <laughs> back from Portland. But that's going to be the, the, the big question, the million-dollar question. I guess we'll find out sooner rather than later with the draft coming up next week. Well, Dre, fantastic stuff as always, my man. What are you working on, man? I know you got the analytics side of things all tied down. You got it all locked up, man. What, what are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Oh, yeah, um, always. So the NBA draft is next week, so um, I'm, I'm ramping up the draft coverage, draft night when the picks come down. I'm gonna, uh, I've got a big article that will be running either Thursday night or Friday morning on .com. Nice. I'm doing daily WNBA uh, fantasy basketball coverage. If you're not watching the WNBA, you should be. If yep. you're not playing WNBA fantasy, you should be. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know. Uh, just got off done doing the bet show today, so nice. I'm a little bit everywhere. Yeah, you are, and I guess if you got a WNBA uh, fantasy that you're doing, you're basically featuring all the aces, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the, the aces do their thing. The Liberty are trying to come up. Yep. It, it's storylines all all across the country, and uh, I'm hoping more people are paying attention. Yeah, you know, and I've been noticing, Dre, and I'm sure you have as well because you are locked in and paying attention. 
there's a lot of fanfare going on with the WNBA. It's really got some good momentum oh, yeah. going right now. Shaq was at the Aces game last night. I think I think it's really starting to get a lot of attention, and these ladies are playing, man. They're balling. They are. They're putting the product on the court, and it's just women's basketball in general. It's not even yep. just the WNBA. We just came off that championship with LSU and Iowa yep. and all of the attention that it, that it gathers. So, you know, this, this, this train is picking up steam moving forward. Yeah, it really is. It really is, and I'm excited to talk about it, of course, with the Aces playing here in Vegas, of course, definitely paying attention to what they have going on. Well, Dre, great stuff as always, man. I definitely appreciate you. Keep up the great work. You know you're killing it, and uh, we'll talk soon. We'll probably be doing a show together pretty soon. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to it. All right. There he goes. That's my guy, Andre Snellings from ESPN. Does a fantastic job. You can check him out on Twitter at Professor DRZ. Does a great job. That's the real Dr. Dre right there. Andre Snellings with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. 3.45 is the time. We're here at the Sahara Las Vegas inside the Azilo Ultra Pool. And we have got some beverages that have just been brought to us. And I'm trying to remember, trying to remember, I don't have my menu in front of me, exactly what this is called. Where's the, where's Millette? Tell Millette to come on over here. Millette, come over here. How, how, you, you're the best person to tell me exactly what I'm drinking. Here, grab that headset. I don't want to mess up your hair, but I'm, you know, I'm just this is this is what I do. Right, 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 right. I just try to remember. I'm trying to remember what the name of this is as uh, it's all good. Oh, here, here you go. This is what we do live. Jed's, Jed's gonna make it happen for you, Millette. This is our good friend Millette. She does everything here at the Sahara. She has us here. Thank you for having us here, by the way. Absolutely. I'm just excited the fact that you're here, here at Sahara Las Vegas in front of uh, Azilo Ultra Pool, um, right here on the stage. It's amazing. So what you're tasting is our signature drink that okay. we have here at the pool. It's called the Frosé, and it's actually uh, a Ciroc vodka. Nice. With a... Little rosé. Yeah, the little rosé. Okay, okay. And it's yes. with the Bellini in there and a little edible flower. Little edible flower. I saw that. I'm, I'm, look, I'm going to Hawaii next week. I'm going to be on uh, I'm be on vacation next week in Hawaii. This looks like I'm preparing myself for Hawaii. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so anyone who's out there, be sure to stop on by. We're here. Q's going to be here, obviously, today. Yep. He's going to be here every other Friday, July 7th, July 21st, as well as August 4th, here at Azilo Ultra Pool, right on the stage. Come over and join us. we got a sofa out here. Yes. You can kick it and relax. And then when you're all heated up, you can definitely uh, jump into the pool and, and relax even more. I'll tell you what, this place is amazing. You guys yes. have done a fantastic job at this place. Thank you. Thank this you very much. Awesome. It has a very um, Moroccan luxury feel. Yes, yes. And you'll, you get a really a chance to in, enjoy it. And the, the 240-foot screen, LED screen, Woo. you can see any all the games that we have. Yep, absolutely. Sure can. Well, Millette, thank you so much. Again, she does a fantastic job running this and making sure that we are here. We appreciate you. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So no we'll doubt. all see you out here soon. Yes, they're, they're on their way, I promise. Awesome. <laughs> they're on their way right now. Here they come. Come on down. We're here. We're going to be here at least till 5, but I promise you we're going to be here a lot longer than that. 3.47 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out hour number two. This is Red Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, live at the Zilla Ultra Pool. Just a few minutes here left in hour number two of the show. It's Unnecessary Roughness, Red Nation Radio 920, live at the Azilo Ultra Pool inside the Sahara Las Vegas. Come on by. Hang out with us. Excited about being here. It's really a beautiful venue. I can't, I can't stress that enough. I have some chicken and steak nachos here with me right now. My man Jed's got some chicken tenders. I got their signature drink here to enjoy the weather, enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the music. 
There's nothing better than being here, having the music pumping in the background, having a live DJ spinning the tunes, and at the same time being able to do a sports radio show. Like, it doesn't get any better than this. My buddy Jammin' Jay has just walked by, or he just came by a little while ago. He should be back. He just got into town. Me and him, we did radio back in, in Fresno, Cali, years on top of years ago. And he walked in here and was like, dude, I'm blown away. This is amazing. We've done some really good radio before, but this place is awesome. And it really is probably the best venue I've done a radio show from probably ever. And I've done a lot of radio shows <laughs> from a lot of really cool places. But this place, top notch. And you want to talk about kicking off the weekend the right way. Who, who doesn't want to kick off the weekend like this? It's Father's Day weekend. No, Lil' Q is going to be coming into town this weekend. I'm excited about that. We're heading out to vacation next week, so excited about that. Get to go as a family this year. This is a this is a perfect way to kick off this weekend. So much fun. All we need is just you. I got T-shirts on the table. I got cups and koozies on the table. I got my hookup from uh, my man Vice Raider. I might as well go ahead and speak on this now. I was gonna, No, you know what? I'll wait. I'll wait because I got to get Vice Raider in on this conversation too. I don't have enough time to – to talk about it, but let me tell you, he brought me something that's so cool that I'm actually I'm gonna be rocking it before I leave here today. I'm gonna be wearing it. I'm just gonna that's a tease, so we call tease in this business. But uh, come on by, hang out with us, and uh, and just have a good time and get ready to kick off your weekend the right way. Through the question out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Also the Raider Nation listener line at seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. Had multiple topics that I threw out there, but you could always chime in about anything that's on your mind. Whatever's going on, you can hit us up about. How did your pops kind of shape your, your Raider fandom? What did he have to do with your Raider fandom? My dad is not even a Raiders fan, but he helped shape my Raider fandom by allowing me, taking me to areas where the Raiders game was on so I can actually watch it or tuning it in on his radio when we were on his boat after church so he could listen. He even allowed me, funny, he even allowed me. I was the guy. I was the runner. And what I mean by that is after uh, after Sunday school, right, after after I did my little uh, my little what is it, a little, I guess, uh, teaching session, right, when the, when the kids all go together and then you go down to, to church at the same time, it would be around that, that sweet spot time where the game would be on and everyone wanted to know the score. He allowed me to be the runner. I took his keys and he let me be the runner. He would be like, hey, hey, uh, go, go, get the, go get the score of the game real quick. Take your dad's keys. And I'd be like, all right, dad, I got to go to the car and get some mints. And I said, you know, mints in air quotes. And he's like, oh, okay. But he knew I was going to, to listen to the game, so I go – Turn on the uh, on the on the car so I can hear what the score was, and I come back and report to everybody. All right, the Raiders are losing. All right, no, the Raiders are winning. This is the score. And then it was cool because on the radio broadcast, they give you they run down all the scores that are going on, right? So I'd be like, oh, and this team is losing, and this team, and then I'd mess it up on the way because I'd forget, you know, from the car to the church, I'd forget what uh what what games it was. But I would tell them, oh, this team is losing. Yeah, I just heard this team is losing. Oh, but the Raiders are winning. Cool. So that was that was some of the things that we did. But want to hear from you. 69187 keyword RR. Then also, when it comes to the Raiders, just want to ask what are your three biggest questions when it comes to the defense? You know, what's on your mind when it comes to the defense? Like, what, what is the big question? And like I said, I have three of them. What does Tyree Wilson contribute year one? You know, you got Chandler Jones, you have Max Crosby. I feel like I, I'm pretty confident I know what they're going to do. Max is going to give you double digit sacks, Chandler's going to give you anywhere from four to seven. I feel comfortable in saying that. What does Tyree Wilson add to the mix? Who is in the starting secondary? Who's the outside corners? And who's the starting slot corner? That's a question I have. And then finally, how many turnovers can they create? Can they all of a sudden create turnovers in a, at a higher rate than what we've seen the past few years? Those are the three questions I have, all focused on the Raiders' defense. 
because I do believe for the Raiders to be a better team in 2023, to win those close games, to have a chance to compete for a playoff berth, their defense has to be a lot better than it was in 2022. And obviously, turnovers would help, sacks would help, and having a solid secondary would also help in a major way. So those are the questions that I have there. 69187, keyword R&R. And when we don't have a guest, you can always chime in at 702-365-9200. I believe at 430 is when I'll uh, have my guy, Vice Raider, join me here and uh, tell the story of, of uh, the gift that he brought by here at Sahara Las Vegas. But coming up next, we kick off hour number three of the show to Michael Cole, Grizzlies beat reporter for Memphis News, will join us to talk all things Ja, Ja Morant. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.